Welcome to Stay Gold, an Outsiders podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Esme Mulberry. We are watching our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, the complete novel by Francis Ford Coppola. His re-release and expansion of his 1983 film, The Outsiders. But we're watching it in five-minute segments. So we have reached the 90-minute mark. Now, the actual um, 1983 release is right around 90 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So we are are in bonus time at this point. Um, Although we've actually already seen a lot of the added footage. And a lot of the added footage is coming at the very end of this movie. Yep. Um, so we are going to be talking about minute 90 to minute 95, but before we jump into, um, jump into that five minutes, we should probably remind ourselves of where we're at in the story on a little segment we call previously on stay gold. In the last five minutes, um, we see the greasers are hanging out at the Curtis house and they're kind of having their pregame for the rumble. Um, Derry kind of doesn't want pony boy to fight in the rumble, but he eventually relents. Um, they walk to the vacant lot where they meet the Tim Shepard gang, who are their allies in the Rumble. The socials come to the park. The two sides confront each other. Derry takes the lead for the Greasers, and then his old football teammate Paul takes the lead for the socials. And then right before the Rumble begins, Dally runs up to join the Greaser side, and Ponyboy takes the first punch to the face. And then just chaos ensues. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say that, uh, yeah, that that pony boy gets just laid out entirely. Yeah. It is, again, if you haven't gone back and just watched that or watched the gif of it, it's, it's kind of amazing. amazing. So it's really well done. Um. So we so we start this five minutes really, you know, I was gonna say mid rumble. Like the rumble has just the rumble's probably gone on for four seconds of the movie but a lot has happened visually like so this five minutes it's really you know basically in media's res like it is like just rumble happening um by the four second mark of this so probably about eight seconds into the rumble okay so remind me when they're sitting around the campfire and they're staring at each other how would you describe the weather it just you don't really see the sky like you don't see anything yeah, it just it's kind seems of non-existent like it's a it's just, yeah. yeah and like earlier in the movie when he meets cherry valance and you see like kind of the sky with the sunset like it seems like a nice day mm-hmm. yeah there's some clouds but yeah, you know that happens yeah, it seems fine so at about eight seconds into the rumble eight seconds from pony boy getting punched it is a downpour yeah now i'm curious in the book does it rain nope there's okay the only mention of the weather at all is that it was like a little cold. Okay. I would say this is an artistic choice. Yeah, it is. Because it's actually great. It actually makes the rumble great. Um because it means that the whole field is covered in mud and everybody fighting is covered in mud. So it's really hard to tell people apart. Yeah. You know, you have to it's it's also why the pregame scene and that whole walk up matter because if you're if you know to do this, you can pay attention to what people are wearing because there are little indicators to be like, oh, that person's wearing a denim vest. That's Steve. Yeah. Or like Soda Pop is wearing a white T-shirt and then like a like a long sleeve, almost like flannel. Like, yeah. No, but it's like you have a couple indicators to be like, okay, I know what this person's wearing. Pony Boy's wearing a hoodie, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then Derry's all in black, black 
t-shirt, tight black t-shirt. So like knowing what people are wearing actually helps here. Mm-hmm. So we see lots of punches and kicks exchanged. Um, if you pay attention, every named greaser gets a moment or two in the in the rumble footage, um, both moments of victory and moments of defeat. So you see them take punches, you see them give punches. But I, I think the whole like rain, mud covered, you get this sense of just like the... I mean, what's known as kind of the fog of war. Like, yeah. there are moments where it's like, that looked like a greaser punching a greaser. Like, I can't even tell what's happening. And you sort of wonder what's happening there. How, how would you describe the, like, because uh, we, we don't have, there's not a lot of dialogue here. So, <laughs> so to break this down, it's more um, impressionistic, I think, in terms of, like, how you feel about the rumble scene. I mean, you kind of described it well. Like, you can't really tell who's who eventually. And, like... It just kind of looks like chaos because you'll be watching, like, this short moment and, like, five different people are going to be in it and get hit and hit people. And then it'll hit, like, switch to another shot and basically the same thing's going to happen. And there's just people everywhere and some people are, like, yeah, it's just crazy. Well, it's interesting. The, so the, the, the French filmmaker, Francois Truffaut, is credited as saying it's impossible to make an anti-war movie because, like, anytime you, sh- you, you like, seriously shoot war and take war seriously visually in a movie, it's going to look cool. And yeah. Gonna, this, I feel like this does not make me want to go to a rumble. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's a lot of people pounding on each other. Everybody feels like they're getting their face jammed into the mud and just – and. Even even those who end up victorious are covered in blood and in pain. Like it's, uh, I don't know. I like. I actually think this this doesn't yeah. make this. They don't. He doesn't shoot this to make this feel glorious. Yeah, because like even when you see, like kind of more victorious moments coming after painful moments, it's still you just your takeaway from it's like must have been really painful. Yeah, yeah, and sort of like. Like, w- what are they doing? Like, like, like yeah. what, what, what is this about? Like, at, at a certain point. Um, so, uh, the music also gets heightened during this. Um, so, it's guitars. It starts with guitars and drums. Then an organ in it is added and a little bit of, a little bit of piano even. Um, and it, it gets more and more chaotic as the fight does. I don't know. It's, it's sort of like a, uh, a part of a song where where people kind of start soloing, but maybe in kind of a trippy sort of way. Uh, the best thing I can I can compare it to is it kind of sounds like an imitation of an instrumental breakdown of like a Doors song. And Coppola uses the Doors in Apocalypse Now a lot. Like, um, yeah. It, it, so it I, I think that also leans to the or lends to the kind of chaotic nature of the fight too. Is the music moves from being a uh, kind of generic rock surf rock song we've heard throughout this to like sort of chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, So after almost two minutes of fighting, we see the Sochas start to retreat to their cars. Now, one of the things you pointed out as we were watching this just now is towards the end of the fight, there is one Soch who's in the middle of the fight who is completely clean. Yeah. And he's wearing like this, Really, like, light, almost, like, powder blue sweatshirt and then, like, white pants. Yeah. And he is completely clean. He doesn't even really look wet. No. Because, like, uh, most of the people look drenched. He just looks 
It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they were given the instruction of like get muddy and wet and he was just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. No one's going to notice. I don't even know how you don't <laughs> accidentally look. His pants are basically white. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't look even accidentally muddy. It's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. So the, the socials start to flee. Uh, Derry finds Pony Boy and asks him if he's okay. And then the greasers kind of break into cheers and celebration after their victory. So it's funny, like, Dally pulls him up, asks him if he's okay, and then just sort of lets him go. Um, Because then Derry, or excuse me, Derry does that. And then Dally goes back and pulls up Ponyboy. Do you see what happens with Derry, though? No. He pulls up Ponyboy and he says, are you okay? And then, like, a Sosha comes and jumps on him. So then he turns... Oh, I missed that. And, like, moves away, yeah. I thought the socials were gone by then. Most of them are. Okay. And I think that was, like, a guy who didn't realize that they were retreating, and then after that, he fled. Okay, that makes more sense, because I I didn't catch that, and it seems sort of strange that he's like, Pony Boy, you okay? And then we, because we, from there, after he takes that hit, they cut away to the celebration. Yeah. You know? I think even in the celebration, you see, like, one or two guys run away. Like, there were people who stayed longer and then realized, like, this, we should go. They just really love a rumble. Yeah. Um, So Dally then pulls up Pony Boy to his feet, asks him if he's okay. And then he says, and he basically says, come with me, right? Like, yeah. Um, and then we get a little bit of Steve being overly stoked about the victory. Yeah. So. Okay. So in the book, there's things they change from the rumble. One, for one thing, it doesn't rain. Um, when Dally first comes, he's like next to Ponyboy in the fight. And um, they like have a conversation during the fight, which I understand why they cut it out in the movie, because I don't really understand how you would have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And Dally talks about, like, how he got out of the hospital, and he says that he used two-bit switchblade to, like, basically threaten people to get out. Um, and then there's this whole thing, too, where they talk about how, like, Dally's arm was still, like, really hurt, so he was having trouble fighting. So, like, Ponyboy helped him, and, like... Hmm. There was all this. It also mentions that Ponyboy gets kicked in the head, which is important because found out later he gets a concussion. And then when the rumble's over and for one thing, something that they change in the movie, which I think is interesting, in the book, like, people are much more hurt than in the movie. Because mm-hmm. it seems like in the movie, once the socials run away, they all can kind of run away kind of easily and then the greasers are all seem a little hurt but like fine yeah and in the book it's like people got knocked out and like not able to stand up and they got like really hurt and they changed that in the movie which is funny because the way they're fighting you would assume there's got to be people who are really really hurt yeah but and that is what it should be and then when dally like grabs ponyboy to leave he explains like we're gonna go see johnny Mm mm-hmm so there's an actual explanation to why he's grabbing him, where in the movie there's not. You know, it's interesting. So I said the thing about how this doesn't make a, a rumble look attractive. Mm-hmm. The one thing that it does do to to that Truffaut point is, like, it does really feel like there's no consequences to the violence they're doing to each other. Yeah. Because, like, we'll, as we'll see later, there's little minor things, but kind of nothing. So it does... I could see somebody looking at this and thinking like, oh, yeah, this is it's no big deal when in reality, like if people were to actually do what they're doing to each other, there's going to be folks in the hospital yeah, coming out of this. And you don't get the impression that anybody is from the Mm -hmm. movie. So 
Um, so, so from there we cut to uh, a street scene and we see uh, a car speed around the corner. This is Buck Merrill's car now with the top up. Um, we hear a siren and then we see a police motorcycle pull the car over. In the car are Pony Boy and Dally. Uh, and the cop walks up uh, and Dally tells Pony Boy to act sick. He says, pretend like I'm taking you to the hospital. Uh, when the cop asks why Dally was speeding, he says, the kid fell off his motorcycle. I'm taking him to the hospital. And we see Pony Boy kind of look at the cop and groan in the front seat. And he does look rough because he was just in the rumble. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fairly believable uh, lie. Uh, the cop asks how bad it is and Dally replies, I don't know. Do I look like a doctor? He looks pretty bad to me. Um, <laughs> and uh, the cop says, follow me uh, and goes back to his motorcycle and Dally kind of laughs and calls the cop a sucker for, for believing this. So basically the cop pulls in front and gives them an escort to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Now this happens in the book? Yeah, this is a book thing. And in the book he even asks, like, would you like an escort? Um, so yeah, this is a book thing. Now I think it's interesting mm-hmm. um, to hold on to this idea. Because when Dally confronts a cop who pulls him over at this point... The cop is, uh, I mean, he actually has this positive interaction with the cop. Yeah. I mean, he lies to him, but the cop is like, oh, I want, I want to help. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And we're, and this is going to be mirrored, uh, a few scenes later where we're going to see Dally and the cops again, and we're going to see something different. Yeah. So, so I'll sort of tuck this away. So in the car, Dally starts talking to Pony Boy and Pony Boy doesn't look great. I mean, he... But both in terms of, I mean, he's beat up from the rumble, but he also just, I mean, there, there is this lingering, you don't look so good kind of thing, um, that they've been talking about for the last probably 10 minutes of the movie. Um, and, uh, and, and Dally says, I was crazy. You know, that kid, I was crazy about wanting Johnny to stay out of trouble. If he was smart like me. He wouldn't have been in this mess. If he was smart like me, he wouldn't have ran into that church. You better wise up, Pony. You just better wise up. You get tough like me, you don't get hurt. Watch out for yourself and nothing can touch you. And on the word nothing, he slams his his hand into the wheel. And you can see that he's fighting back tears. Mm-hmm. Now, I just did a poor reading of this this moment. Yeah. But, but this is a key moment in the in the story and in the movie. Mm-hmm. So before we get into why this is a key moment, I'm curious, how much does this mirror book conversation? Um, There's like one or two short sentences that they cut out, but the rest is exactly what he says in the book. And then also in the book, Ponyboy says that, like, the whole way to the hospital, Dally's talking like this, but he wasn't really listening because we know at this point, and we don't know, but, like, we can guess, like, he has a concussion at this point, so, like, he's not really listening. Sure. But this is what he remembers. So what's interesting is, like, here we're seeing Dally talking to Ponyboy and laying out a philosophy for life. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, like, I mean, he is a mentor figure for for Pony Boy, and he's sort of saying, like, okay, here's the big takeaway from this whole Johnny situation is like, you guys, like, in some ways, childhood's over. <laughs> you guys need to wise up. You guys need to realize that no one's going to look out for you. You got to look out for yourself, and basically, don't stick out your neck for anybody, because he's like. You know, look at look at the situation Johnny's in. It's because he tried to help people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so Pony is getting one piece of advice from Dally, right? Yeah. And we're going to see that the rest of this movie, the rest of this story is Pony Boy kind of trying to figure out how to make sense out of the different advice he's getting from people and what the trajectory of his life is going forward. So I think this is a crucial moment because Dally is laying this out. And we also see Dally breaking down in tears at this point too. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you also wonder like, does he believe the advice he's giving? Yeah. Because isn't it interesting when one of the first things we see Dally say uh, it's one of our favorite favorite moments in the movie at the very beginning of the movie when they encounter the kids in the the vacant lot playing cards and he's like I ha- like don't wise up I, I you kids are too wise I hate that you guys are like wising up you know and he's like this is what the, the I hate kids part yeah but what he's saying is like you guys have grown up too fast like mm-hmm. like don't be so wise. And now he's telling Pony, wise up, don't, you know, like, so it's it's kind of interesting. Like, like Dally's on his own, he's on his own journey here and he's not the center point character of this story, but he is somebody that Pony is spending a lot of time observing and learning from. Mm -hmm. Um, So here then we cut to, uh, we cut into the hospital, hallway of the hospital and we see Pony Boy and Dally. And it's interesting. It's like Dally's kind of helping Pony Boy, but Pony Boy's maybe also helping Dally. Like their arms are around each other as if they're supporting each other as they walk. Mm-hmm. This is also shot with a Dutch angle, so instead of being straight on, the camera is sort of tilted on its axis. Yeah. Which is meant to sort of create kind of a disorienting feel, which it does. Yeah. It's the, in the book what this is is like Dally is like helping Pony Boy right just when they're walking in for the cop. Mm-hmm. to see but then after that he like lets go of him and it's like i've, I've noticed this thing throughout the movie if they make dally try to seem like a much better person mm. and then he comes off as in the book because in the book like he doesn't notice that pony boy's like not okay interesting although that would make sense yeah it would make sense but it's just like in the movie they in many parts play him up as a much better sure person than he is so uh, from there we cut to Johnny's hospital room, and he's now lying face up in bed. And Dally walks in, kind of excited. He's like, "Hey, Johnny, we beat the Soshas. We chased them right out of our neighborhood." And for some reason, Pony Boy takes a lot longer to get into the room. Mm-hmm. And it might be the thing you're saying, which is like Dally has let go of Pony and gone into the room, and Pony Boy is making his way there. And Pony Boy's maybe in rougher shape than we realize. Yeah. Um, and so as Ponyboy walks into the room, Johnny, who has a very like weak voice at this point says, it's useless. Fighting ain't no good. And his sentence just kind of hangs there in the room. And then Dally says, you know, they're still writing editorials about you in the paper. You know, about you being a hero. We're all proud of you, buddy. It's going to be all right. And from here, we cut to a close up of Johnny's face as he's lying in bed. And he calls for Pony Boy. And Pony Boy leans his head into frame to get close to Johnny so he can hear whatever he has to say in his kind of faltering whisper of a voice. Mm-hmm. And that's where the five minutes ends. So we have a cliffhanger. What is Johnny going to say? Um, uh, and, and it's a, an, another like crucial, famous moment in the book. So, um, so you've talked a little bit about the book. Do you have other book 
Uh, connections book thoughts here as you're thinking about this five minutes. I mean, it's a um, weird five because so much yeah, of it's the rumble. So much of it is the rumble. And with that stuff, I get why they didn't do exactly what's in the book because it's like then you're just following Pony Boy. Right. Um, there's one thing I didn't talk about. When they go into the hospital and they're like almost at Johnny's room, they encounter a doctor, kind of tells them like, yeah, he's dying. Doesn't say they shouldn't go in, but kind of implies it. And then Dally like pulls out two-bit switchblade on him and like kind of threatens him. Um, Hmm. So in the book, there's a lot more of like he is kind of losing it a little bit. And also in the book, they actually show him use the switchblade where in the movie you see him get the switchblade but never are given any reason of why he needs it. Right. So That's it makes, interesting. Yeah, it makes more sense in the book. Well, because, yeah, because he uses it to get out of um, to get out of the hospital, but we don't yeah. ever see that or hear him say anything Mm-mm. about that. Huh. I'm, You know, I'm kind of glad in the movie they didn't have him do that with the doctor there. Yeah. Because he does snap, and we'll see this in the next five minutes, but... That's based on something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So it's like it 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 makes sense like like that he's still he still walks into this room pretty hopeful. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think he actually he's maybe, you know, trying to bring Johnny's spirits up when he says you're going to be all right, but he's also saying it to himself. He's yeah. like Johnny's going to be all right. Things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um and he's starting to come to terms with what that might mean yeah so um so i mean i think that i think the emotional weight of this is really the conversation in that car ride yeah and that lines up like you said pretty closely with what you see in the book Mm-hmm. so uh if you were to grade this on a scale of zero to ten what would you what would you say in terms of its fidelity to the book hmm. probably say like a seven because like, what we see in the rumble, we don't really see all of it. But also, like, I don't really get how they would do that. Mm-hmm. And then they cut out tiny parts, but, I like, they are all kind of understandable why they were cut out. Sure. And then everything that's there happens and is exactly what they say. So. Yeah, I will say this scene at the hospital, we always talk about this, like, man, it looks like what I pictured when I read the book the yeah. first time. And I had not seen the movie, but, like, this is something about it. This is what it looked like to yeah, me. Yeah. Ex- so. There's so many of these scenes that are, like, that's exactly what I imagined it to be. Huh. So, do you want to do a deep dive? Yeah. All right. This is a fun one. This is one you've been waiting for. Um, so, this is about The Outsiders, the musical. <laughs> so, uh, a stage mu- musical based on the novel and film... Uh, was originally planned to premiere at the Goodman Playhouse in Chicago in 2020. Now, what happens in 2020? Global pandemic. Global pandemic. So it gets canceled. Uh, but the work was already moving forward on that. I mean, the, I think the the musical was mostly written. They were preparing for it. It was supposed to come out that spring. So it's back in the works and is expected to hold its world premiere at the La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego uh, in February or March of 2023. So 
Um, you know, we're kind of, we're getting very close to this. Uh, now I, w- I will say if there's more news about this, we are recording this in the, uh, the summer of 2022, even though this episode probably is airing in January of 2023. So as you're listening to this listener, you're much closer to this. Um, and this is a production. So it's, it's, oh, it's, it's doing its launch, its premiere in San Diego, but this is a, this is a Broadway bound production. At least that's the hope for this musical. And it actually has quite a pedigree. The production, uh, is directed by Obie award winning director, uh, Dana Tamor. Uh, the libretto is from a Pulitzer prize finalist, Adam Rapp. Songs are by the American folk duo, Jamestown revival. And the music supervision and arrangements and orchestrations are by Tony Award winner Justin Levine. So a pretty good pedigree for thinking about this musical being something that, you know, makes its way to Broadway. And maybe we'll be talking about this in terms of the Tony Awards going forward. I just, I don't know anything about this, but I'm very hopeful. Like, I'm very hopeful just because it would be kind of cool. This is also March 25th, 2023 is the 40th anniversary of the initial release of the Outsiders movie. So, Mm. you know, it's kind of, kind of cycling in there. It would be fun if this was successful and and big enough to kind of make its way to to Broadway and maybe make an impact there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that would be lots of fun. I actually think if it's a good musical, it would be, this would be a fun kind of thing to see high schools do, you know, things like this. So, because it's a story that I think a lot of kids are still pretty used to uh, reading in middle school. So, Mm -hmm. Esme, would you like to hear a couple songs? I did a little bit of research to try to find if there's any music from this uh, online and I found fragments of two songs. Now, one of them is perf- is uh, in the recording I'm going to play for you uh, is performed by Jamestown Revival, so the the folks who wrote the music for this. Okay. Uh, the other is uh, a song that I don't know if it's like an audition tape, but it's a recording somebody this guy made, uh, Sam Snyder. Uh, but I presume from the way he writes about it in the com and like the description of the YouTube thing that this is a song from this musical. So I don't know if he was auditioning or what it's a pretty good singer, but it's, that's a lot more, um, that's not something recorded in a studio. So the audio quality is a little bit different. So if you want to come over here, Esme, yeah. I will play you this yeah, first song. Yeah. We'll take a look at this and I will lay the audio in underneath. So this first song is called Tulsa, 1967. Take a place in 65. I've never been out of Tulsa before. I wonder what it would be like. I've never known anybody. Most people get stuck here for life And now I'm thinking about the dallies of the world Always on the outside looking in Bruises on the rise and wearing grease for their disguise Trying to look tough so they're not beaten down again And everybody loves to judge them but nobody lends a hand They see grease and dirty clothes They never try to understand We all come from different places We all start 
So thoughts? Um, I mean, it's like actually a pretty good song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it, it's it gives you a feel for like, okay, this is in the hands of people who are you know yeah. adept songwriters and um, and you know. Um, so the the first thing you pointed out, this is called Tulsa 1967, even though the book is set in 1965. Yeah, that's that really bothers me. All, all I can think of is that the book came out in 67, and they just set it in 67. I don't did, I don't know the uh, significance of that, but I agree. And I don't know that that's like a deal breaker on it, but well, I'm upset. Like it's a weird thing of it's both good, but it's also kind of dumb. Okay. You no, know, like it's a good. It's because the outsiders. I just so can't picture as a musical. Right. But like that's kind of. I feel like the best you could do, but it's still dumb because I still can't picture it as a musical. Yeah. No. I it, like it both. It both gives me the feeling that it's in the hands of people who know what they're doing, but at the same time, they might make a successful product that I won't like. Yeah. Because like one of the takeaways, big takeaways from this project is really thinking about how some of that period music fits in. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 listen to this and it's like, oh, that's going to, if that's going to be the vibe of this is sort of this like folk country thing. It's like, well, that's yeah. not really the greasers. Though. It's not the greasers. Yeah. Um, Maybe so other songs are less yeah. like that. Do you want to go to a little bit darker place? Yes. Okay. So this next song, as I said, uh, sung by Sam Snyder from his uh, his YouTube page, uh, he appears to be a very good singer. Um, again, this is this is less uh, professionally produced. Um, so so um, this is called runs in the family and he and he says in parentheses daryl cut so i'm assuming he's singing the dairy part of this yeah okay are you ready yep uh, you seem I'm you, so you seem nervous i'm actually scared all right here we go i did everything right but everything went wrong that's why i'm scrubbing this kitchen while i'm singing this song i was born in greece Reese is all that I'll get, another hard night lesson that I'll never forget. So Pony Boy's gotta make it past his graduation. And Soda's gotta find himself a decent occupation. Obligations of a father and the worries of a mother. I gotta make our parents proud and take care of one another. Ain't no way I'm leaving I could never let them go Don't know what them boys would ever do without me Out in the cold world on their own I'm so scared of losing Losing all control Come hell or high water I'm gonna make this house a home Can't leave these boys alone in the family thoughts um it confirmed my fears that it's not gonna be great yeah yeah um i just i don't know what to think well both both that it's not gonna be great and it may be successful like it's not when we say it's not gonna be great what we mean is it's not gonna be what we want yeah Ooh. Now, it's no, like, I will say, I will say what we just heard there, I mean, is a guy 
doing a number with the piano accompaniment. That doesn't mean we don't yeah. we don't have the full context. And I think because he says dairy cut, I presume runs in the family is probably having all of the Curtis brothers singing parts about trying to think about how they fit into the family and what are yeah. the traits of the family. So like, it's a little rough though. Yeah, it is. Um, but again, again, like I, I will say for me, I am not always the biggest fan of Broadway musicals. Neither so, am I. So it's like, well, maybe this will be great for, maybe it'll be great for the outsiders. Maybe. Um, and so, so here's the question. Now that, now that I've, you seem nervous about this. I am. If if I told you that um, this March we were flying to San Diego to go see this, would you be excited? Yes. Okay. I would want. I want to see this really bad. I'm also scared, but I want to see it really bad. For the record, we are not flying to San Diego. Yeah, to I didn't see think this. we would be. <laughs> but but like I I want I would love to see this musical. I, I would, would be too. really nervous about it, and I I think. I may end up actually liking it because my expectations would be really low. Yeah, to me be too. Like, I don't know that this needs to maybe be. Maybe it'll musical. be great. Um. Yeah, maybe just that little snippet from it did not do it justice. Yeah, it's it is really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least you do get a flavor for like, oh, okay, this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting. <sighs> I want to see it so bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we give out some awards or an yeah. award? So who won the five? I really have uh, four people. I'm kind of, you know, saying letting go of the rumble. It's hard to be the winner in the rumble. I mean, the greasers win the rumble. But, um, you know, if you want to throw Tom Cruise in as Steve for his exuberance, we can do that. But there's... Or the one Soshu stays completely clean. I guess yeah, we can put him in there. That's impressive. As well. Uh, but the four nominees that I have, we have C. Thomas Hall as Pony Boy. We have Matt Dillon as Dally Winston. Ralph Macchio as Johnny Cade. He doesn't say much, but he has a line. And then Ed Jackson as the motorcycle cop is really the only other speaking part in this. Um, what are you thinking? Leaning towards Matt Dillon just because he's the one who kind of talks and does stuff. Yeah, I mean, he has the best part in this, yeah. but he also nails it. Like he does, he does so good in this. Yeah, like, 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 because the the next, I mean, this five minutes and the next five minutes are really the the Dally Winston journey. Um, he kind of takes over a little bit as he has as want to do in this, and I really, mm-hmm. I think he's by far the winner of this. So I feel good about that. Um, if you were Dally Winston, mm-hmm. and you were accepting this award in song, what would it sound like? I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Uh, you don't have to, but you know who can? Our listeners. Email us, channel300 at gmail.com. Do you have outsiders fan fiction musical uh, songs that you want to you wanna share with us? What, what you think uh, Dally and Dairy and Pony and Soda and 2-Bit, what they should sound like in this musical... Um, are you excited about the musical? Uh, is this something that you would go see? Is this something you are going to see? If you happen to be a listener to this podcast who lives in the San Diego area or is going to be in the San, Di- San Diego area and is going to see this at the La Jolla Playhouse, please email us. We would love to hear your thoughts on this on this musical. It's coming up in the next two months, I think. Um, so we would love to hear about that. Email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. 
that is all the time that we have. But we will be back next week to talk about minute 95 to minute 100. Until then, stay gold. <laughs>